Good morning, everybody. Or one person, or two people, or ten people, or however many people are listening. Good morning to you. I hope you're having a wonderful morning. If you're even up yet, awake yet, it's, what is it, seven-ish? My time, 7.30-ish. I hope you're planning on having a good day. I'm planning on having a good day. A few things going. Just different shit that pops in and out of life. Just different things that happen. That's what I'm talking about today. Not going to go heavy on the politics. Just a few things I want to talk about. Nothing major. Might even be a short one today. If you guys are lucky. (laughs) Coming into work. Nice cool morning. Foggy. Traffic not too bad, pretty chill. Uh, Stop for breakfast on the way. If you guys know by now, I use apps for every restaurant there is. So I had a good deal at Taco Bell. I I decided to swing through there uh, at a town that's probably, it's halfway between my house and my work and they just opened they're supposed to open at 7. They used to open at 6.30. Now they open at 7. And uh, I pulled through there at about 10 after 7. No one there. Nobody felt like working this morning. Nobody was scheduled. People called in sick, whatever. Uh, keep on driving. <laughs> Come to work. Just, uh, you know, and that happens from time to time. You go to a place, and like a restaurant or whatever kind of place it is. Smaller places usually. And you pull up, and there's nobody there. So you, what, what are you going to do? Take off. That's uh, uh, scheduling differences or problems or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I see that a little more often, uh, especially with restaurants, fast food restaurants. You pull up, nobody's there. You pull the speaker, nobody's there. Or all the lights are off. What the fuck? Okay, I guess you guys just open when you want to. Uh that's cool. Uh, jobs, unemployment going up, a lot of layoffs going on. Especially in the tech stuff here, Sacramento, or uh, not Sacramento, Bay Area. More tech places laying off thousands of workers at a time. Spotify laying off, I don't know, a couple thousand workers. Uh, right before Christmas, that's always fun. Those uh, pre holiday layoffs. That's, uh, you know, so I'm assuming the, uh, the big weeks can get their bonus in order for, so they can have a great Christmas, just lay off a whole bunch of people. Hey, hey, Jim, if you want to go ahead and uh, fire those couple thousand people, you know, I'll, I'll make sure you get a good Christmas bonus. Oh, fuck. I can't even imagine that. Uh, and something else that happened yesterday, interesting, a fan at a basketball game here in Sacramento Sacramento Kings Kings game uh, man in his early 30s in the stands uh, fell over and died and they called uh, paramedics they came in and did CPR on him in the crowd I guess and uh, for 20 minutes and uh, he died and the, the person he was with they called a chaplain to come in and 
help them out because I'm sure they fucking needed it. God, what a tragedy. People are just dying nowadays. And all these deaths, me and you know they're from the shot. And heart problems, etc. Sooner or later, this is gonna this is gonna start affecting the statistics if it hasn't already. Like the life expectations, this statistics, probably the world over, but you know, especially in the states, I would imagine like life expectancy statistics are gonna start going down because so many people are dying young for no reason. High school kids playing football, dropping over dead, like a, a couple every year. And that's the ones you hear about. That's the ones that made it to the news. That's the ones that were publicized. Think about all the ones that aren't. People that aren't anybody. They just die at home or they're whatever. It's fucking scary because I'm vaccinated. And I'm in my 50s now. And kind of starting to be thankful for every day I'm around. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, It's a fucking shame. And... Uh, yeah, so that happened last night at the basketball game there in Sacramento. Uh, pretty tragic. Uh, all right, story number one, something I want to talk about last that happened last night. My son works at a local grocery store, right? We're in kind of a podunk little town. Like just a couple stoplights. It's kind of out of the way. It's unincorporated Sacramento County. Just outside the Sacramento city lines. uh, And it has a reputation for being uh, kind of a crappy... It's got a reputation for being a shithole. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Thanks to Rush Limbaugh. Uh, now, I never really, lo- I, I never did. I never, not even really, I just never listened to Rush Limbaugh. Even though he's a con- conservative, I didn't like his tone. I thought he was a pompous dick. And I kind of thought he was a grifter. But that was just in the last couple of years I heard him on the radio. I would tune, I would pass the channel. I listened to him for a minute. God, that guy's a fucking, you just picture him smoking a big fucking stogie there counting the cash on the table while he's uh, doing his thing and that he just seems so pompous and such a dick to me and also he made fun of a town all the time called Rio Linda outside of Sacramento unincorporated Sacramento and he tells a tale I, I haven't heard him actually say it but I've heard uh, people talk about it how he made fun of this little town because when he moved to California he moved to Sacramento and he went for a drive and he wound up in Rio Linda and he drove through there and it was like all it was broken down shitty houses, cars in the yard, etc. That was fuck, I don't know, what, twenty years ago or whatever. And he made a point of like slamming Rio Linda on the radio all the time. And I had, I did hear him use the term Rio Lindens, which is what people who live in Rio Linda are called, right? Rio Linda is a tiny little town. It's just a spot. It's in between bigger cities and it's just... But it does admittedly have a way of being kind of shitty. The people there, there's lots of tweakers. And 
there's lots of fucking morons. I'm not saying that everybody else in all these other towns is, is smart by any means, but uh, in the summertime, no shirt, no shoes, walking through the grocery store or whatever, it's pretty fucking loose. You, get, you catch my drift? It's pretty loose, especially during COVID. The lockdowns in summertime, no shirt, no shoes, people spitting all over. That's the regular M.O. Rio Linda. 7-Eleven, nobody, no shirt, no shoes. Got their, walking their dogs through a fucking pit bull in the grocery store. And yeah, so that's kind of Rio Linda. And the people, those people are still around. But there's a different mix now. There's people moving there from the Bay Area. So you'll see neighborhoods that are kind of crappy, dilapidated housing. Or houses they're trying to fix up next to some, something that somebody has flipped and there's a Mercedes and a BMW in the driveway. That's the standard issue for Bay Area people when they come to Sacramento. Sell their house in fucking wherever in the Bay and come up here, buy a place, well, back then they were 300, buy a place for 300 and then buy a brand new uh, BMW and some kind of shitty fucking Mercedes SUV, some kind of ugly looking crossover Mercedes. They all do that. So you'll see houses with BMW, Mercedes, BMW, Mercedes, BMW, all in our neighborhoods now in Rio Linda, just across the boundary line. Uh, And so those people, they keep their properties nice. They have the money to repair and maintain and everything and their yard looks nice. And they're bringing up their, they're gentrifying the, they're gentrifying the small town is what's happening. And my son works at the grocery store. There's one main grocery store in Rio Linda. One big grocery store. Uh, And he's been there for, I don't know, six months, something like that. Nine months. Maybe more than that. And every day I pick, well, I pick him up when I can. He works till usually either 10 at night or 12 at night. And I go pick him up. And uh, we bullshit when we get home about the stories, the things he saw. Yesterday... One of the things he always sees is dogs. There's always people letting dogs out of their car. The dogs running around the parking lot. Homeless people with their pit bulls on the sidewalk. There's a guy who plays guitar sometimes. Homeless guys, handicapped. He's got a fucking dog. People with dogs. Chihuahuas running all over. Dogs all behind the store and the dumpster. Dogs all over the place, right? It's like it's fucking Mexico almost. And people take their dogs in the store. People with small dogs tend to carry their dogs through the store under their arm or they put them in the basket. Or people walk their dogs through the store, sometimes on a leash, sometimes not, depending on the person. I've seen pit bulls running loose through the grocery store. It's a common problem. Sign on the door says no pets. People don't give a fuck. Store can't enforce it because people are claiming, uh, well, it's my service animal and I'm technically handicapped and they start that whole quagmire so you don't want to like spark a lawsuit over yelling at somebody over their dog. But the dogs are out of control in that plaza. And people drive fucking crazy. They, they like to peel out everywhere. Half the fucking people. I mean just picture the small like podunk little town. Kind of white trashy. People like to get their cars and peel out all over. And do, a, do an extra circle around the grocery store parking lot. And peel out. And fucking just... It's whack, but it's common. And there's dogs everywhere, people everywhere. 
all manner of people, handicapped, blind, crippled, and crazy, drunk, high, you get the whole gamut there. And there is regular homeless people that li- that are in that plaza all the time. There's one guy, <laughs> we come to know him as Mr. Fuck You, because he walks around punching the air. He's about late 20s. Skinny kid, wears his pants around his fucking knees or whatever. And he dresses like a homie, and he's always by himself, like all hours of the day and night. He walks around that plaza and he like swings and punches in the air. He's like motherfucker, and he's like fuck you. That's his his common thing. He walked through the parking lot, and he'll see somebody like looking at him from across the parking lot. Fuck you. What the fuck are you? He's fuck. Every other word is fuck. So we call him Mister Fuck You. And sometimes he sits in the McDonald's par- uh, drive-through and he dangles his legs in the drive-through and he has a bit like a big bottle of vodka and he just sits there in the fucking McDonald's drive-thru with his legs in the drive-thru drinking vodka asking people for money he's always there and so he has homies that come around they, they ride bikes you'd be surprised at the number of people who are riding bikes homeless people at midnight in a plaza anyways they all got dogs and take the dogs in the store and my son is like the uh what it, like they call it uh well he he does like the sweeping he doesn't do stock but he sweeps and does like various things around the store somebody spills something he's got to clean it up and if dogs shit and piss all over the store he's got to clean that too and they do that dogs shitting and pissing all over the store and sometimes the people pick it up they'll go to the produce section and get a bag like a like one of the produce bags and, and pick up the dog shit but then they just put it on the shelf. So they're doing a big favor for the people. You know, clean up their dog shit. And they just put it on the shelf. With all the fucking products. Or they leave it in their cart. It's cute. Keep your fucking dogs out of the grocery store. It's disgusting. If, you're, if you happen to be listening right now. And you take your dog in the grocery store. What the fuck are you doing? You're a fucking moron. Take your pathetic ass back out. Take your fucking animal home. Don't leave them in the car. Don't leave them in a hot car. Don't leave them in a cold car. Don't leave them barking at fucking strangers hanging out the fucking window. Take the fucking animal home. Don't keep taking your goddamn dogs in the grocery store. The fuck is the matter with you? People are stupid as fuck. And... Aside from the dogs in the grocery store issue that came to a pinnacle yesterday, another thing happened that I thought was noteworthy. My son was t- getting the carts out of the uh, parking lot, right? You got to get the carts. And some dude pulled up, got out of his car, him and his girl. His girl stayed in the car, but he got out. He was like a Mexican homie. He was wearing like the Norteño red, pants sagging. Had like a piercing, and he was like, yo, yo, sup, that type of uh, shit, and he goes in the store, and he's walking around the store, my kid's back in the store near the, he's helping like the ladies bag groceries, because sometimes they need help, like catching up the line, so he'll bag groceries for people, and yo, 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 homie came walking out, he didn't buy anything, he was just taking a little walk around the store, and his pockets are bulging, and my kid instinctively says, hey, uh, what do you got in your pockets? And dude pulls out some gloves, like some, some hardcore, some homey gloves, like the leather gloves. And uh, <laughs> he's like, I ain't got nothing. 
And my son says, oh, sorry, my bad. I, you know, we just kind of got to watch what we're doing, you know, store policy. We got to keep an eye on things. He's like, have a nice day. And dude says, man, I'm going to sue you. And my son's like, what? My son's not really prepared for that kind of stuff. I don't think. Uh, But then this homie stops, goes back in the store. He says, I want to talk to your fucking manager. And the manager's right there. He comes over. And my son's standing there, the manager's standing there. This motherfucker talking about I stole some shit. I didn't steal shit. And motherfucker, this and that. I'm going to fucking, fucking sue this fucking. Okay. Manager de-escalates. Dude walks out. And then, then a girl get the, his girl gets out of the car and walks in. Goes through the store, comes out, doesn't buy nothing. She has a purse, a big purse. And somebody else, one of the cashiers flagged, flagged uh, the manager and said, hey, she's got a bag full of shit. And they stopped her and she had a bag full of shit she had stolen. So she doesn't come back out to the car and the homie sees that they got her like inside the doors. So the homie gets back out and walks up to the manager. Man, I'm suing this fucking place. And he's like, well, he's like, do you know this person? That's my girl, dog. And she had a whole bunch of stolen goods on her. So whatever the fuck that was, people are up to all manner of tricks and head games and mind games and little schemes to try to get over one way or another with this shoplifting. And the go-to is, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> really? Are you going to go check out a lawyer? Yeah, okay, sue me. Uh, he said they were going to sue the grocery store or whatever. Motherfucker, I, I guarantee you're not going to go anywhere near a lawyer, law enforcement, anything. Number one, because you, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Number two, you probably got warrants. And you probably don't want to go nowhere near the legal system. And the only word you know is motherfucker. Are you really going to go grab a lawyer and lawyer up and, and pursue a case? Is a lawyer going to... I don't know. Maybe you could find a lawyer to do that, but... That's the go-to for people. I'm going to sue you. That's almost as bad as the racism card. Ra- you racist. You hear racist and then a common thing out here. I don't know if it's anywhere else. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you. And a lot of people that kind of intimidates or gets them to back off or whatever the fuck. But uh, yeah. And there's out here when people shoplift from a grocery store. The grocery store has they're pretty pretty persistent with the shoplifting they go after them if you're heading for the door and you're trying to slide out with a cart full of groceries they're gonna come there's some there's people coming after you grabbing the cart and there's like a loss prevention guy a big guy that travels between the different stores it's like a chain of stores and but he's not at all the stores all the time so if he is at your store and somebody's shoplifting he's gonna run out and he'll get and if he needs to, he'll go to the ground with somebody and get get the merchandise returned. And then there was a lady last week, a uh, black lady, big cart full of groceries, $400 worth of stuff, going out to her challenger or charger or whatever it was. And loss prevention hemmed her up and and started getting on her, getting in her face. And she decided to bail. And she, like, pushed her cart over. And there was, like, a bunch of big bottles of laundry detergent they broke open and... But they take everything and they put it in the cart after the lady leaves and they go back in and they ring it up. They try to see how much money she tried to steal 
And then they take her camera pictures. They've got her on camera through the store. Her vehicle picture and the amount of money she tried to steal. And they have like kind of a wall in the store and they post pictures of shoplifters. So people know like, hey, these people are actively trying to steal from this store and they got caught. So don't fucking try it. Grocery stores out here aren't really playing. They're not trying to lose merchandise. Fucking CVS, Rite Aid, all those other things, they don't fucking care. Out the window, they don't. They say, oh, don't interfere with the customer. Just let them take what they're going to take. Okay, yeah, okay. We want to keep our employees safe. Yeah. Nine months later, the store closes. We, we don't care about keeping our employees working. We just want to keep you safe for now. Because we, we're going to close this store. and Eventually, you'll be out of our hair in a few months. You'll be out of a job. And get the fuck out of here. But now, we don't want you to get hurt right now. But, uh, you know, we'll just shut your store down. Then you'll be without a job anyway. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the norm. That's uh, that's happening. Oh, man, what else we got? Another thing that happened yesterday. Well, it actually happened a couple weeks ago. Well, actually, at this point... It was a few months back. I had to lay off our other employee because work is slow here at the shop. Work is slow all through through Northern California. Machine shops are almost dead. And he said, well, when when I laid him off, the boss told me to lay him off. He he says, well, I'm just going to go home and get unemployment. I'm not going to go get a job right away. I just want to relax because he's a little bit on the lazy side. Okay. Handle your business, whatever. Uh, about a month and a half later, he calls, Hey, any work yet? Are you ready to bring me back yet? Uh, nope, sorry, nothing. And he called a couple times in the last few months. And he called yesterday. I hadn't heard from him in a few, eh, about a month. He called yesterday and said, Hey, man, uh, I'm on some hard times here. I uh, I can't pay my rent. He's got an apartment in a horrible part of town, the cheapest rent going in a bad part of Sacramento, and he can't pay his rent. And I was like, "Well, where's your wife at? Isn't your wife like helping you out?" Like, and he's Vietnamese, and his wife is Vietnamese from Vietnam, and he's like, "No, she went back to Vietnam." I was like, "But you said she was gone for like a couple months. She's still there?" And he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "When is she coming back?" He's like, I don't know, but it's, it's going to be a couple months. If then, he's like, he's not even really sure. Because she has family back there and she can live with her family and she prefers life in Vietnam over the States. And so she has money, but she doesn't let him access. It's not a joint account and she... They have a kind of a strange thing going and she don't talk to him and she don't give him money or nothing. And they're, I think the apartment is just in his name because she wasn't even a citizen when she came here. So the car that she paid for, they put it in his name. She bought like a Toyota Avalon, like a 20, shit, what, like a 2018 Toyota Avalon. And that was like four, top of the line. That's like forty-two grand or something like that. And she almost had it paid off. And she, he, she told him that it was paid off, 
even though it was in his name, they didn't, he didn't know how much they owe on it. So he's, now he's getting bills for the car. He's like, I thought this was paid off. And his wife's like, oh, I guess not. What are you going to do about that? It looks like you better pay it. He's like, I don't have any money. I don't, I'm not working. Unemployment doesn't cover that. Well, that's not enough money for rent, a $525 car payment, uh, all the utilities, and everything else. And he keeps things like bare minimum. No, no cable TV, no internet service. He just has like electricity, and that's it. And he, he plays on his phone, I think, for recreation. And he's like, yeah, I, uh, I'm behind on my rent. I'm, I'm behind on this car payment. I need to work. Can you bring me in at all, in any, at all, for any amount of hours? Can you bring, can you, the boss wasn't here. I said, you know, let me talk to the boss and see if he can get you in. And he'll be back Wednesday and I'll talk to him, you know, because I'm not trying to see anybody be homeless because he's about to be homeless. He has another car. If they repo that nice car, he's got a shitty car. And when I say shitty, it's like the windows are taped shut. It's all different panel colors. It's mismatched tires. It's cracked windshield, no air, no heat, no nothing. And so as it looks, and his apartment, he has a... Uh, two bedroom and it's filled to the rafters with his wife goes to Costco all the time and buy and she buys fancy clothes and they save everything they uh, anything that is of any use and it's like floor to ceiling like all kinds of stuff so if he gets evicted from that apartment he's gonna have all that and a lot of it's like designer clothes expensive shit she has her clothes like tailored when she was in the States, she would go to like a seamstress and have all her clothes like tailor fit. And she only bought like top of the line shit because that's what she's into. She has money apparently from her family business back in Vietnam, whatever. But she doesn't really share it with him unless she's living there with him. But she's gone and she may not come back. Or if she does, it won't be anytime soon. And... So if she does come back, she's going to have a car that she probably paid 40000 out of $45,000. They're going to repo it for the last $5,000. Uh, and he's not going to have a place. He'll be living in his car. And that's fucking tragic. So I'm looking yesterday. I said, shit, I know there's a bunch of shops around here. And I know they're hiring somebody. Dude's got like 30 years of CNC experience. So I start calling machine shops. I was like, hey, are you guys hiring? You know, we're slow right now, but we're taking resumes. Or if you got some, you know, if you know somebody with experience, come in. Just come in or call one of the two. Ask for the owner. Here's his name. Here's his number. And so I did that with a few different shops. And I gave all the information to dude. I like, I texted it to him. Here's some shops that are by your house. You got to just go walk in. Just walk in. And I made him a resume. I sent him a resume. So he's got that. I was like, just take that resume and go walk into any of these places. They'll all, somebody's going to hire you and you'll end up working again. He sends me a text back. He says, I don't want a job right now. I was like, what? He's like, I want my ED, my unemployment money. And I don't want anything to interrupt that. And if I get a job, it'll interrupt that. 
And I said, but you'll make more at a job. He says, I don't care. I want, essentially, he wants the free money. He wants to sit home or find a job for under the table and just sit home and collect that money instead of going to get a a good new job right near his house. And I said, you know what, man? I'm doing all I can do for this dude. And not for nothing, but if any of you guys have ever spoke to Vietnamese people, I have extensively at this shop dealt with Vietnamese people for years. And there is a type. They are very stubborn. They are very opinionated. And you are, as a white person, that because that's what they call white people, white people, uh, you are wrong. And you are to be contested at every measure. And it makes it hard to come into the work in the morning when you have a Vietnamese person say, hey, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Uh, making small talk. Oh, the weather, yeah, nice, going to be nice weather today. Oh, no, no. And he, every time he'll pull out his phone... Oh, no, no, it says it might rain later today or, you know, rain tomorrow. It's not, you know, or vice versa. If I say, oh, it sounds like we might get some rain today. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. That's what I always say. Both, the last two Vietnamese employees, that's their favorite saying. Oh, no, 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 no. Even if you say something basic, it's constant disagreement at every step and stubbornness through and through. You tell them what to do if they're new to a shop and you give them instruction on a machine, they listen to you, and then they do exactly what they want to do, and they ignore what you said. Every time, from day one. They think they know better. When it comes to repairing things, this guy thought he knew how to, that he could save a buck on repairs and and just use tape instead of uh, using the correct bolts to hold this or that. And... When you, when you demonstrate to them that they're doing things incorrectly, that's a personal insult and up goes the hate level. Up goes the uh, silent treatment, stay away from me. You, you know, the guy that was in here, I don't, want, I don't mean to turn this into a Vietnamese rant, but I've seen this over and over and it's, and it's factual to me that Vietnamese people only do business with other Asian people, preferably Vietnamese, whether it's grocery shopping, whether it's car repair, whether it's uh, buying clothing, whether it's whatever, anything they do. Go to a restaurant, Vietnamese restaurant. Go to anything. Anything you do, tire shop. Dude needed tires for his car. There's There's an Asian tire shop out of the way, and it's a total fucking dump. And a lot of times they end up ripping him off doing a shitty job but he got what he wanted to do business with an Asian tire place or they go to they go to he goes to an Asian grocery store and he told me the thing he bought fish at an Asian grocery store five dollars a pound and he got home and he said hey this this isn't three pounds this is only like two pounds go back to the store argue with the manager the police come out over the scale the scale weights are are Rigged. The manager ends up giving him a bunch of money to stay quiet and go home. But very argumentative. 
Asians are very, especially Vietnamese, they're non-cooperative. They do what they want. He made good parts on the machines, but he did it in his own way, which really, it took a lot longer. Uh, They don't like to ever hurry. Whenever there's a hurry for something, they will not hurry. They will not be rushed ever at all. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if the people are waiting here for the parts for you to finish. And you can kind of like accelerate things if you work a little faster. Not to be done. And that's just my experience with Vietnamese people. They definitely have their own way of doing things. From what I've seen. And I've dealt with numerous... I used to get my hair cut at a Vietnamese place, talk to all the late, talk to the owner, talk to... I used to see Vietnamese people are everywhere, and they're usually very nice and they're very friendly. And this guy used to give me gifts all the time when he first started here, I think trying to, like, schmooze me, buy me all kinds of... all kinds of shit he would buy from Costco and just give to me. And I thought it was very strange. And that's the second person that did that. The first person... Did that too, young guy buying things, bringing them in. He brought me an envelope full of Vietnamese money. He uh, just all kinds of shit. Uh, and I, I guess that's in their culture to be nice like that. But I think they do it for a reason. But yeah. So hopefully he won't be another homeless person on the street. And he did mention harming himself, and he says, don't, but don't worry, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm good. He's like, but he like mentioned it in passing, and I was like, ugh. So, I do all I can to help people who need it, but I can only do so much. I'm not giving anybody money because I don't have the money to give. I need to keep what I've earned because... It's going to be our turn to fall on the sword sooner or later. So I'm keeping what I got. Last thing I want to talk about real quick since I babbled on about this other shit. There is a documentary on YouTube and it's free uh, called The Fall of Minneapolis. It's about the George Floyd thing. And when you turn it on, it starts with the George Floyd thing. It shows him getting arrested, and it combines all the different camera footage into one sequential story. And it shows the, the one camera angle from each part of the, of the George Floyd sequence when he got arrested until the point when he died. And it shows, like, one part will be body cam footage, one part will be store footage, one part will be... Uh, bystander footage and it's all strung together into one continuous video of what happened that day with George Floyd and a lot of things I did not know I learned in that documentary and then everything everything is uh, all the sources are quoted and it's all real deal and it was very informative to me because I never really knew the whole sequence of events because you get two seconds of the video here, 10 seconds here, you know, 30 seconds here, and it's all mishmash, so I couldn't make an accurate uh, picture of what happened at the scene of the crime. But this video does that. It illustrates it for you and shows you what happened, and it stops the video when there's an important note, and it 
and it puts it on the screen, an important note that you should notice, and then it moves forward. It's, it's well done. It's, it's a great watch. It's not boring. It's not corny. It's not tinfoil hat. It's factual, and it's basic. And when they got... When officers were called... George Floyd was resisting arrest from the get-go, and he was acting very erratic. And it, they speak to an officer who arrested him in the past, same thing, acting very erratic, non-cooperative, not really combative, but just erratic, weird behavior. And he had mentioned swallowing drugs, and then the cop asked him, hey, did you swallow drugs? And even uh, the day that he died... The video shows him with a pill on his tongue while he's talking to the cop. They zoom in, and there is something on his tongue. And it, they, I don't know if it's methamphetamine or fentanyl or whatever it was. Both were found in his system, by the way. And there was a lie by the chief of police in Minneapolis that he came out in the press and because I think it was Derek Chauvin, the guy that kneeled on was kneeling on his neck or his shoulder or whatever the it looks like his neck, but when you look at it from the other angle, it, it looks like you're, he's on his back. He's like on his shoulder. Nonetheless, it's right fucking there. It took so many guys to try to get him to sit in a squad car. They they fought with that guy for 20 minutes to try to get him to just sit in the back of the car. Would not do it. Would not cooperate. Kicking officers. And they finally took him to the ground. And as soon as they did, the guy gets on the, the radio and calls for an, an ambulance. Uh, because I don't know if they thought he was high on drugs or if he was injured or what the deal was. So, but the ambulance never came. They're like, what the hell? That's never happened before. And then... Well, then, no, it showed, my bad, it did, the ambulance did come 20 minutes later. And it went to, the, like, the wrong place. And it took a while to get the ambulance to the proper location. For some reason, they said that never happened before. But all of a sudden, it happened that day. And the chief of police of the Minneapolis police, uh, of that precinct... They always ask him in the on the on the uh, in the news. Oh, is that a proven technique? Kneeling on somebody's neck is that a proven restraint technique? Do you guys actually teach that? He's like, no way. That is not taught by the police academy. That's that's definitely not our thing. That's him on his own. He did that. That's not approved by us. Uh, you guys probably remember that. That's a lie. He got caught in a big fucking lie, and that dude was down with uh, the team that was kind of running this whole production. It's like this was the opening act of a big production. And Derek Chauvin's mother, Derek Chauvin's in prison, by the way, he just got stabbed the other day, attacked, brutally attacked in prison. And I don't think he's dead, but his mother... Uh, was on the they interviewed his mother and his mother brought the actual police teaching books from Derek's prop from his home brought them to the the interview opened them and turned to the page where it says 
the MRT technique or whatever, and it showed an illustration of how to do it, and it showed a, an illustration, full-page illustration, of a officer kneeling on the suspect, just the way Derek Chauvin did, exactly. And it's right in the police manual. And they asked all the other officers involved in that George Floyd incident, the other people, all the other officers, and other officers in that precinct. And they said, "Yep, we all learned it. It's it was we had to learn it. It was all it was taught a hundred percent. That was definitely taught as one of our restraining techniques. And that chief of poli- uh, the chief of police guy who was on all the news channels." And who outraged the nation by saying, oh, no, that's not taught. A, no way, that's not a police maneuver. He fucking lied. And this documentary exposes it with real evidence. And that right there makes you wonder, why did he lie about that? To protect, uh, I don't know, he threw the whole police department under the bus. And then the mayor of Minneapolis, some young fucking uh, asshole. It shows him like twerking in like a crowd of people in the street. He's like some young fucking fruitcake. He joins in because he's he's pro inclusion, pro diversity, and he's the second member of the fucking cast. Oh, this is uncalled for. Uh, we need to defund the police right now, and he, that's when the defund the police thing started. And then he. Basically, what ensued directly afterwards, when they started burning the town and looting and rioting and destroying their own community, the police precinct that was right there that had to go out and deal with these riots were ill-equipped intentionally. There was a a female uh, police captain, I think she was, and she's in the interview and she says they directed us out to control these, these riots with people throwing fireworks at us, people throwing rocks, frozen bottles of water, uh, bricks. And we, we were out there in short sleeve shirts and all they did was give us helmets and they said, go get them. And they said, well, where's our riot gear? Because half of those people were trained in SWAT. And they trained in riot gear. And they've done other riots before. And they've always been in riot gear. So they said, hey, we need our riot gear. And the person who was communicating between the mayor's office and the police station said, sorry, the the riot uh, gear isn't available now. Go out there and control that riot. So they were out there in short sleeve shirts and helmets and regular pants and shoes, taking bricks bottles, people punching them, you name it, dodging Molotov cocktails. They had no protection. They were scared for their life. Before they went out there, and it talks with all the cops, they said they were scared for their lives. They thought they were just going to, it was like a suicide mission. And they did what they could, and they came back in. And even in the, when they were in their cars, the cars were getting tipped over. All the windows were getting smashed out. If you're in a car, you're a sitting duck in a riot. They're going to set that car on fire eventually. And the only question is, are you going to be in it and die? Or are you just going to get your, the daylights beat out of you when you step out of the car and try to save your own life? All their cars were ruined. All of them caught on fire. 
And so they all went back to the precinct and then they get a phone call saying, hey, you guys need to evacuate the precinct right now. And the police chief said, the head sergeant or whatever, whoever she was, said, what? And they said, evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. This is not a drill. Leave the third precinct. It's, been, it's going to be compromised. If you stay there, you're going to be killed. And they're like, no, we're good. We've got, you know, the parking lot is barricaded. We're good here. We've got all our gear. We, we, you know, no, we're, we're okay here. And they said, get out. And the, the, the police uh, lieutenant or whoever she was comes out to all, our, all the police. And they're telling us we have to leave. They're telling us we have to surrender the building. And they're like, what? And they were blown away. And it goes through each one of them's reactions, and they, they tell their stories. And they said, that, that, that can't happen. Are you sure that? She said, we have to go. They said, we have to leave. She was in tears. People, they were all in disbelief. They had to jump in their squad cars and get out of their single file through the mob in their short sleeve shirts. So that, that police precinct was filled with, it was like a museum, filled with all kinds of memorabilia, down through the ages, all kinds of newspaper articles on the wall, all kinds of medals, and all kinds of shit. It was like a museum, like a, well, almost like a historical thing. And they couldn't take any of it. And they left, and the lieutenant, or whatever she was, was just in tears, and as they pulled out, they got all the cars were just, every single window was smashed out of every car. They drove through the crowd and the crowd just didn't care. They were trying to light them on fire, shooting fireworks into the cars. And they were basically trying to just get out with their lives. The cops were just fleeing in fear. And then uh, about an hour or two later, they, uh, they burned the building down. And... People were publicizing and doxing the cops in Minneapolis, giving their home addresses. You know, a lot of these cops were getting hurt bad. They were taking bricks to the face, uh, burns, all kind, you all kinds of injuries, just really bad. And all those officers now have PTSD, and understandably so. And you see it when they talk that. That day in their lives put a fear in their hearts of crowds and people. One, I think one person is still serving as a cop, a big, a big black dude. I think the guy, uh, I forget his name, one of, the, one of the Floyd officers is still a police officer. He's like, I can't quit. He's like, I don't care what happens. These, I can't quit. This is my life. This is my you know, and a lot of these cops, their dads were cops, and it was going down through the family, and they had to resign. They said, I can't. Like one guy, he told a story. He was on the side of the road, and there was a huge black guy, he pulled him over, him and his partner, like the cop and his partner pulled over this huge black guy, driving recklessly all over the road in his Charger or Challenger or whatever the fuck. And they go up to the window, and the dude is huge, and it looks like he just swallowed a bunch of drugs right as they approach the window. And this is after George Floyd. Like, the, one of the officers can... One of them is still working, but the other people, they tried to continue working, and this is what happened. So the first guy, he pulled the guy over, 
and the guy was huge. And he told the guy to stay in the car. The guy gets out of the car. He's combative. He said, hold on just a minute. And the cop went back to the car with his partner. And he looks at his partner. And he says, this is, this is George Floyd all over again. He says, eventually we're going to have to take this guy to the ground. And then somebody's going to come by with a camera phone. And they're going to see two cop, two white cops on a black guy. And he's like, I can't do that twice. He's like, I can't do this anymore. He's like, I'm not ha- I can't have that again. And so he effectively couldn't police anymore after that. Because if you're a white guy and you're on the ground or whatever with a black guy, especially after George Floyd in Minneapolis, they're going to come after you're going to have mobs outside of your house. You're going to have you can't live, you can't. And he's like and he started said he started crying. And he's like I can't do it anymore. I can't, I, I can't do this anymore. And I guess they, they let the guy go or whatever. He's like, I, and, that, and he went back and quit that same day or something. But each one of them had their stories. And the late, the, the lieutenant lady uh, in charge at the police station, she can't even talk about it without crying. And you could tell she's an ass kicker. And she's like, I can't even, she can't talk. She's just completely devastated by the whole entire thing. Just mentally devastated. PTSD all over the place. You can see it. You can see the fear in their eyes. All of them have fear in their eyes. Except the one cop who's back still at it. He's pretty gangster. Big dude. But man. That whole thing was a concerted effort by the media. Al Sharpton. All those race baiters. They all... They all fanned the flames of that whole thing. All they wanted was destruction. That's all they wanted. And to demean the police. And they got exactly what they wanted. But I never knew it until I saw this. And then it puts it all together in a logical way. That other people were fanning those flames. Not just angry protesters. There was a lot of other outside. And one of the guys was like a... A city council member who was down with like all the local gangs, like the gangster disciples and uh, all these crips and this and that. And he was making a speech in a park one day about how bad George Floyd was in front of news media and everything. And he's like, I call on the gangster crips. I call on the north side crips, the disciple, black disciples, gangster disciples all need to come together right now and work, work for our community or something like that. And this guy was like on the take from like all these different gangs. And he's like an ex-gang member slash politician. And so, so many dirty people were involved in such a sickening manner. Today, you, if, you're, if you're in legal trouble, your case is decided by the public outcry. Your case isn't decided by a judge like Trump. If there's enough public outcry where if the judge feels he'll be demonized if he passes uh, a good judgment for the un- un- unpopular side or the, or the conservative or whatever, and he knows that he's going to get rocks through his windows at home, you can bet your ass he's going he's gonna to go with the, the narrative and prosecute an innocent person just because the public will throw a brick through his window this week. That's real that's who's deciding cases in this country is these mobs and these crooked fucking DAs 
and all these people stitching together these narratives, it's a real fucking problem. And the justice system in this country is in peril. And that's, I'm not just saying that, like, as an American and, like, the way I see it, if you have a case against you that goes against any kind of narrative at all, you're gone. You're gone. Especially if it makes it to the news and you can start getting protesters in any way, shape, or form. It's, you're gone. You're gone. January 6th people, yeah, you're gone. All the George Floyd people, all the cops, gone. It's just, you can't, the legal system is compromised. And that's like a cornerstone of America it is crumbling under these Democrats. Make no mistake. That's who is intentionally crumbling these foundations. It's Democrats. Every time. Every single time. If it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's so. If it, if it was Republicans trying to crumble the foundation of America, I would say it. But it's not. It's good versus evil. It sounds stupid and it sounds oversimplified, but it's not. That's what it is. Now, there, don't get me wrong, there's better conservative. Uh, when it comes to Republicans, you've got people like George Santos who are shitty people and they got their own shady things, but they're not trying to make America crumble. They just, they're just crooks on their own, for, their own, for their own personal gain. But, and it still amazes me how we have such a brazen criminal in the White House who can't even defend himself and there's so much evidence against him and yet it takes, it's going to take four years to, to, to pursue an impeachment against a brazen crook who has been here, a president of the United States, for four years. We're really going to let crooks rule, rule the, uh, the United States for four years before we get rid of them if they're a Democrat? When Democrats will impeach Donald Trump uh, week to week and even after he gets out of office, they're going to throw an extra impeachment on there. This whole thing is so lopsided, and these Democrats are so crooked, so bad, and it's so bad. And all the blacks in Chicago, I watched it again yesterday, they made another announcement. They're suing their new horrible Democratic mayor. The Democratic people are saying, hey, you're ruining this town, and we're going to sue you. So the blacks in Chicago, all the Democrats, are snapping out of it. So... Yeah, Democrats are... It's, just, it's good versus evil. That's all. That's not oversimplifying. That's facts. What a fucking shame. I never thought it would come to this when I was a kid. Well, who knows? I, I've been through bad presidents before. Uh, the George W. like mentally numb years and... I wasn't so much into politics back then. I was still kind of numb through Barack. I didn't really... was kind of disassociated. Worried about building my own life and building my own future. Didn't too much get into politics. But... Joe Biden... He's a saboteur. He's not, he's not a bad politician. He doesn't make bad choices. He makes the wrong choices intentionally. That's what he's doing. And that's a saboteur. Anyways, I gotta go to work.
and my legs are numb, my feet are numb, so I'm going to wrap it and go do my thing. So that's it. You guys have a good day, good Tuesday, and I will catch you next time. See you.